0: All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I had the privilege of sitting down with Zach Hopper. And Zach is a guy that wears a ton of different hats over at Buck Gardner Calls. He is an avid outdoorsman, waterfowler. And we, yeah, we just had a really good chat. But before we get into the conversation, I need to tell you about my day. So I was supposed to be on a call with Zach at like 10 a.m., and that got bumped back to early afternoon because I went and sat in my deer stand for the first time this year. And as I'm in the stand, I'm like going through doing some editing on my podcast on different episodes. And I hear a twig snap right next to me. I look down and I have a doe one yard from the base of my tree. And I'm like, oh shoot, better put my phone away, slid it in my pocket, grab my bow, look back at the doe And it was a young doe. I was like, perfect. That's what I I was either after a young doe or a mature buck. Um, I looked around to make sure there weren't any fawns with it because I've had does with fawns on camera a bunch and there weren't. And so um, it was walking directly away from me, but perfectly underneath my stand. It got out to seven yards and it turned broadside. Well, there's a lower canopy right below my stand and all I had was like maybe a foot foot and a half window that I could shoot through but I had the back half of her ribs and her butt in perfect sight and so I get drawn back I'm like okay I can hit I can double lung hit both back or hit the back of both lungs and I just wanted to favor it back just a hair because I didn't want to catch the twig on the right and so I shot perfect pass through arrows sticking in the ground and I watch it run off. And it stops at about 40 yards. I thought it was going to tip over. It didn't. It just kind of slowly walked after that. And I was like, all right, sweet. Give it a little bit of time. Got down. Checked the arrow. And the arrow did not look the way it should have. Um, There was some blood on it, but it looked like I caught just the front edge of the guts. And at that point, I was sick to my stomach. I mean, I have not gut shot Gosh, I don't think I've got shot a deer since I was like in high school, maybe. But my buddy Drew is out hunting with me. He gets out of his stand, meets up with me, and we proceed to search for the deer. We start tracking blood, continued tracking blood, continued, continued, and it went on for so long. And at this point, I'm like, man, I thought I'd have plenty of time to get home, get the deer um, to the processor, all of that. And then I'd be on the call. Well, I had to get a hold of Zach while I was out searching for this deer and say, hey, can we bump it back? Luckily, he was able to. He had he had more of an open schedule today than he normally does. And so uh, we bumped the call back. We we tracked this deer all the way through this plot of woods that we're hunting. And surrounding the woods is either cattle pasture or bean fields. And we get to, like, the northeast corner. And to give you an ex- or. To give you some reference, I'm on the southwest corner of these woods. That's where my stand is. We track it all the way across to the northeast corner, and we're just going slow, trying to be quiet, um, following the blood. And, I mean, quite a bit of time has passed at this point, uh, probably an hour and a half or so. And I look up, and I see this deer on the other side of the fence in the beans running, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that is the doe. And so we slowly go out there, I mean, again, trying to be stealthy, not make a lot of noise, and uh, we start following the trail. Well, it cut into the beans, and I was like, man, it is bedded down in these beans somewhere. And I turned to Drew, and I said, hey, man, I'm going to I'm gonna keep looking for blood. You yell if you see it pop up. And uh, we, as I'm telling him that, like, not more than five seconds later, I almost step on this deer and the beans are like above my belly button. I mean, they are thick down here. And so it jumps up, runs about 20 yards and beds back down. And at that point I'm like, all right, I'm just going to get in the same row as it walk up and put one more arrow through it because I couldn't see it at all. I walk up to maybe three feet from the tail end of this deer before I could even see it. And I had to kind of peek around, figure out how it was, uh, oriented or orientated however you want to say that in the bean row and I saw that it was facing away from me had an opening that I could shoot basically through the back and and catch the heart up front and so I took the shot it ran maybe another 10 yards and went down so I got my first doe of the year I wasn't pumped about the way it played out lessons have been learned um, but it's there didn't ruin really any meat um, got, it, got it out and dropped off at the processor and then jumped into this call and so I could talk about hunting I mean you guys know I'm like 47 episodes in I talk about hunting all the time but before I keep rambling about that let's jump into this call and hear what Zach has to say about waterfowl hunting
1: like he was doing things that were just badass
0: that was one of the coolest moments of my life I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and on the show with me today, I've got Zach Hopper, and he is with Buck Gardner Game Calls. He reached out on social media, and I was like, man, I would love to have this guy on. I, I think a buck gardener call was my first duck call ever. So I was like, man, this would be cool kicking it old school. Um, kind of how I started with waterfowl hunting. So thanks for hopping on the show with me.
1: Yeah. Glad to be here.
0: Excited about it. Yeah. Um, why don't you start out by just telling everybody kind of who you are, um, a little bit about yourself and what you do right now in the outdoor world.
1: Okay. Yeah. So my name is Zach. Like you previously said, I work at buck gardener calls in Memphis, Tennessee, Um, I started as a shipping and receiving manager and now I've kind of worked my way into the marketing role here at BGC. Uh, I graduated December, 2020. Yeah. From Ole Miss with a bachelor in marketing. Um, I've been hunting as long as I could remember as when I started walking, I was in a, in a box blind with my, with my dad deer hunting, And so, uh, I really started deer hunting was, uh, that's what I love to do for the longest time. And I still probably would, if that's all I was uh, optional for me to do. Um, but i I really got into bow hunting when I was probably 12 years old. And then my dad made the huge mistake of taking me to a little, uh, it was a Creek, believe it or not here in Mississippi or down in Mississippi. um, where our deer camp is. And he's like, yeah, I think, I I think there's some wood ducks in here. And beginner's luck. I ended up jumping up three out of this Creek and with three shots, I dropped three uh, Drake wood ducks. Oh man. And so from then on, it was just all downhill from there. I was (laughs) nothing but duck hunting. I might've been deer hunting. I think I've been deer hunting, like actually sat down deer hunting twice since I was about 12 and I'm 23. now. Wow. It's nothing but ducks for me. That's crazy. Yeah. That's Yeah.
0: Waterfowl hunting, that kind of took over for me as a passion for a while. And then I, I gained access once I moved down to Missouri to some whitetail property. And it's the first time I've ever been able to, like, manage property and, and track deer and all that. But waterfowl hunting, I mean, there's nothing like it in the in the outdoor industry. Like, it's just... I don't know. It's like an electrifying feeling every time you're out in the blind or in the reeds.
1: I love it. Yeah. What? Uh, 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 there's nothing I'd rather do. What's at your? All. What's your? The favorite? spring turkey hunt. Spring turkey hunt is. Uh, it's it's a good substitute, you know. Since I, since I can't shoot at a duck or a goose, yeah, um, I'll happily shoot at a turkey. But
0: what's your uh, what's your favorite species to go after? Like, if you had to, if you had to hunt one bird for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: Man, this is going to be so typical, but you cannot beat a mallard duck, whether it's in a flooded field, a marsh, uh, in the woods. Like, there's just nothing like shooting a big fat greenhead.
0: Yeah, man, I there is something about those birds. Like, I I haven't had an opportunity to hunt a whole lot of wood ducks, and I love mm-hmm. the way that wood ducks look, the way they taste, the way they fly, everything about them. But you're right. Like Very much so. Greenheads, when they come in and they're back flapping and you just see every color in the rainbow on their head, on their wing, and, I mean, even on their feet. Yeah. There's nothing. I mean, get- like, I
1: guess that's why every company is geared towards a, a mallard duck. Yeah. Um, that's just, there is nothing better. I love shooting a wood duck. I love shooting a teal, the fast flying bird. Come in there and you even got your gun up. And they're in and out, but. You know, and they, and they eat, you know, probably a wood duck and a teal, gadwall, pintail, they all eat, in my opinion, better than a mallard duck does. Maybe that's just what they're eating around where I'm hunting at the time, something like that. But, yeah, I, but I'll eat them all. It doesn't matter. Wow. I'll I tell you what, a speckle belly, I've, I've gotten into goose hunting the last several years. Uh, a, a speck, you know, it. it it's – it's close to finishing a mallard as far as the level of excitement for me. Yeah. The giggle chickens, you know, as they call them, they're very vocal and responsive. So that's really cool too. I,
0: that's one thing I haven't done. I haven't branched out a ton into the different types of waterfowl hunting. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin. I I was able to hunt all across the state, the Mississippi river. I mean, that was like where I cut my teeth on waterfowl hunting and then Lake Michigan We've hunted on the beach of Lake Michigan and fields a mile away. And it's been awesome. Moving down to Missouri, we got into a couple more divers, but not many. Like, I think I shot my 1st trying to think. I, I shot my first of a lot of ducks here in Missouri. But the part of Missouri we're in, the birds just kind of like split. And they go towards the Mississippi or they go to Kansas and hit the cornfields and, and big ag. And so... I've got to go like an hour and a half in any direction to really get into good waterfowl hunting. What? Yeah. It, what's it like in I mean, Tennessee? A
1: lot about. Oh, until well, you know, I'm born and raised in Mississippi. Um, I was born in a town called Batesville, or that's where I grew up, Batesville, Mississippi. It's if you're anywhere familiar with this the Mississippi area? It's probably 20 minutes west of Oxford, Mississippi, where I went to college at Ole Miss. Um, great, great place. I'll just throw that out there because I'm a little biased to that, <laughs> that town over there in Oxford. But um, I do hunt mostly in Mississippi. I have a lease and I have had one for the last couple of years uh, down in an area called Crowder, Mississippi. And it is, there's a, there's several spots in the Mississippi uh, Delta. that are just hot spots and it's kind of touch and go, but Crowder, Mississippi is a mecca for ducks as far as the state of Mississippi. You've got a guy that goes by the, uh, his, his land is called the York woods. And it's been known as the York woods for many, many years. It used to be public he used to hunt hunt it way, way back in the day. And now it's a guy that he's like, I think the richest man in the state of Georgia Dang. owns this just absolutely pristine duck hunting land. He's acquired a bunch of land in that area but you also have a, a, a very popular refuge over there, the uh, little Coldwater River refuge. And it and it just holds, I mean, today's middle of September. I'd say in a month, it's probably about to start loading up, even as far south as it is. It's, if, if there's water on it, there's every duck in the area is going to be there at some point, both the refuge and his land. So it's right there. I'm in the middle of both areas. So I think... So York woods is about three miles South and then that refuge is about two miles East from our exact location for our blind. So,
0: okay. What, uh, um, what does that look like to have a lease? I mean, I know I hear about it a lot in some of the Southern states, like where I'm at, we just hunt public land or, you know, we've got a, yeah. a farmer that lets us use it. But I know a lot of places they run off of a lease deal. Is that just right. basically renting the field?
1: Well, yeah, in a lot of cases, I, I kind of have a. This is a different type of lease. I'm, I'm in with some pretty good folks down there. Uh, it's a, it's a guy that he owns the land, and all he wants out of the people in the lease is is help. You know, a little, you know, a little financially, a, a lot of work, because he can't do it all by himself. He's just an avid of a duck hunter as me. He's been doing it way longer than me. He's, you know, very knowledgeable about it. And all he wants is the help, you know, kind of trying to grow the place he has and, uh, and stuff like that. So it's really not – like it wasn't me and my friends that went in. It was just me. I met these uh, – I met them through dog training, really. Like I knew of them just because they're kind of around my area where I grew up. But uh, I think one of them reached out because they saw that I was training my dog. They had a dog. We ended up training together. and. You know, that relationship kind of formed from there. So, nice. it's, a, it's a pretty special place. You know, the last several years, it's been tough around here. And that's for everybody, no matter where you're really at. And as far as the Mississippi Delta, there was, there was days we did very well, but there was a lot of days where we would walk out with no ducks. I mean, yeah. n- no ducks, one duck. You know, out of, say, upwards of nine people, we'd walk out with four ducks. I mean <laughs> – well, it was, it's been very tough. That
0: sounds like every day here where we hunt.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like you said, I grew up hunting public land. Like even our at our deer camp that we own, my family owns, uh, we just hunt the public land, and that's where I cut my teeth as public land, and I never will back down from going to a public land spot. Like I had this lease, but the opening day of season here or in Mississippi, I slept on. Uh, Slept on the ground all night with some of my buddies on some public land. Yeah, so i will never back down from that. That's that's memories you can't. You, sometimes you can't make on private land is sleeping on the cold ground with a little fire with your buddies with some glow yeah, sticks or headlamps, making happen.
0: sure nobody else sneaks into your spot.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that that day was just it was tough to say the least. It didn't matter that we were there; we had people setting up on top of us anyway, so yeah. it we, wasn't. Wasn't very eventful.
0: We but just ran into that with dove hunting here. Opening day of dove hunt, uh, is kind of a big ordeal at the spot that we go to. And we got out there and there was, yeah. there was this patch of sunflowers, like right in the middle of a field, perfect spot to hunt. Mm-hmm. And some guys had come out the night before taped electrical tape glow sticks to the top of all the sunflowers all the way around and then left. And we're like, are you serious? Like, you can't just come out and put a bunch of glow sticks out and reserve your spot for the morning, go home and sleep, you know? Wow. Like, we got out there early. I think we walked out to the field at 2 a.m., and there were already wow. other people coming out. But, I mean, it's just That's it's crazy. a killer spot for doves. And, uh, yeah. yeah, those guys came back out, and they weren't too thrilled because we took all their glow sticks down and threw their tape away and put everything in, an, in a white so. bucket. Yeah.
1: Rightfully so. But, How was y'all's dove season going so far?
0: It's been good. I mean, we went out opening day, um, and that's really all I've had time to do as far as dove goes, and it was actually yeah. a pretty slow year. Um, they changed up the layout of the field. It was public land. They changed the layout of the field, probably took like 70% of the of the sunflowers away, and it was all beans where those were, and so they kind of pushed everyone into about a third of the, of the property, and the yeah. doves were coming in, but On public land, I mean, they've got signs all over that says 45 degrees or higher so that nobody's, like, ground swatting them. And I could have had my limit probably in the first hour and a half if if it was, like, private land because these birds were coming in. We had birds landing five feet in front of our feet, but they flew in out of the trees and stayed about three to five feet off the ground all the way in. And so, like... I'm yelling. I mean, my, my voice was sore by the time I left there. Cause I'm just yelling like too low, too low, trying to make sure nobody's shooting and peppering each other. But yeah, it was fun. I mean, this year, this year, the conservation agents, they post up at the parking lot. So they check everybody before they leave. And they said yeah. only two people had limited out that morning. And I was like, dang, wow. that's crazy. Cause normally we're limited by like eight o'clock. And and we're out yeah. of there but yeah it was slower than yeah. normal but uh still great bird movement just a lot of missed opportunities because of how low the birds flew in
1: right yeah our dove season here has been i've only been a couple times just because i don't really have access you know to a private place and like you said there's public places but they pile in there and yeah, i'm not i'm not that mad at a dove i'll be honest <laughs> with you I'll get mad at a duck or goose, but I ain't that mad at a dove. No. Um, yeah, but I got invited to go to this immaculate dove property up in uh, Tennessee, and, you know, we, we were killing them, and they were upset because we weren't killing them fast enough. Just how, just for reference, how good the place was. I think the that hurricane we had, like, really early September, late August, whenever that was, it came through Louisiana. They're saying that's kind of what maybe – Push the birds. I don't know. Yeah, but nobody around here has really done uh, on average what they usually do.
0: Yeah. Are are you guys? I mean, even the
1: even the teal. I was out yesterday. I'm sorry.
0: Oh no, go ahead. I think you're about to answer my question.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Uh, so yesterday morning, I went out with a friend before work uh, to try to get after some teal, and we were in a spot in Mississippi that if the teal are here, they're there. I mean, it's just, you know, every year it's just in their heads. That's just where they're going to be. And I mean, the water's right out there. It's higher than average. I think this year, as of right now, it's a little bit up. It has been the past couple of years. I saw two little wad teal the whole morning. So I don't think, I don't, I don't know of many people in Mississippi that, uh, I've been killing teal. I know out in Texas and probably down in Louisiana, they're smacking them like they always do. But
0: Man, they are stacking them up. Good. I keep seeing truck yeah. beds full, like ten guys getting their limits on teal, and I'm like, geez, I've never had a teal hunt like that. I mean, it's
1: not like we went out there and just tried it. We we, we had been scouting, yeah, and we had seen a couple groups, and we're like, well, we kind of got a little cool front, you know, let's just go try it. I mean, you know, you can't never witness too many sunrises, so we we're just get out there and go can't kill them in the bed
0: so yeah for real we just
1: gave it the good old college try
0: is teal season the only thing open there right now i mean like teal and dove or do you guys have early goose
1: we have early goose um i went i've been one time this year but they are just now cutting the corn uh in a lot of places and so now we're finally starting to see the uh the bigger groups grouping up uh, like a lot of people they've already been killing a bunch because i guess they've just been where they were but as far as where we can legally hunt and get permission to hunt they're just now cutting corn and stuff so we should be seeing uh some bigger groups now we've seen some little family groups but you know nothing worth trying to go out there and mess that whole thing up so yeah
0: do you guys mainly hunt over corn or do you guys are there any other crop fields that you prefer to hunt
1: well, I mean, at this point in the year, corn is the only thing being cut uh, in our area um, so I mean, if they're in a just when we went and hunted what we were just in grass, you know we were trying to hunt this loaf spot, and uh the geese the whole flock we were watching it was the biggest flock we had uh we had gotten on so far, and they they were roosting on the water and, we weren't too far from them, and we thought we were going to get them because they they came right over us, and they just kept going. So I guess they had found some corn or found somewhere to feed that was that we weren't aware of or we couldn't get to. So that didn't work out either. So if if, if this is any indication of my hunting year, we're not on a good, <laughs> good, we're good at start right now.
0: Yeah. Man, the waterfowl is just so finicky because it seems like every time you're like, hey, let them finish, let them finish. They don't finish and they fly away. And then
1: right.
0: on the other times, you, you're like, all right, listen, we're just going to shoot them on this pass. And then you do, and everyone yells at you because you didn't let them finish. And I'm like, at least you got to pull the trigger. You know, we we run into yeah. that all the time because the majority of the places that we hunt are public. We've got a couple real small, like, private ponds, but, but we usually reserve those for, like, if we only have an hour to hunt in the morning, we'll just kick out to a local pond or we'll go check it and then jump shoot geese off of it. Cause they, they pile in there every now and then, but yeah. man, birds, birds are some of the more frustrating animals out there.
1: And that's all of them. Yeah. Ducks, geese, turkey for sure. But that's what makes it so fun. Yeah. You know, deer is gonna, they're gonna, walk by you or they're not they're gonna be chasing their doe or they're not but a duck i mean a duck goose turkey i mean you've got to i mean you're talking to them you're trying to convince them that all these decoys around you are legit and that you sound good enough to actually put them in front of you so yeah that's what i love about it so is the challenge
0: have you got have you got into uh, elk hunting at all
1: no being from mississippi obviously i don't get that uh that chance very much, but. It is definitely on my bucket list. That is, from what I was told, it's almost like if a Turkey was a lot bigger as far as listening for them and then going after them. And I don't know anything about an elk. I'm not going to claim to, but it's definitely on my bucket list. I'll definitely get the bow out at (laughs) at some point when I can afford to go out there and have somebody put one in front of me.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a ton of fun and A lot of guys who like waterfowl hunting and like, uh, turkey hunting, they really do love elk hunting because it is that interaction. And I mean, you either hear them and go towards them or you make noise and try to draw them to you, or it's a combination of the two, but yeah, I've done some elk hunting. We, we haven't called yet because typically I'm, I'm hunting late rifle season, but I can't imagine having a screaming bull in your face that you just called in from a half mile away,
1: you know, that would be, yeah. I mean, I had turkeys gobble, you know, like right behind my tree and that, that'll shake you good enough, but I couldn't imagine a big bull like that right, right in your face. I've heard they're really good to eat too. I've never tried yeah, one, but they I've heard they're are
0: amazing. Some of the best. Yeah, they really are. I love elk meat. I think moose is probably my favorite, but elk's a close second. I mean, it's like a better deer, and you get like okay. five times the meat off of it, so
1: yeah well I've, I see i' I've, I've gone to Alaska before. this was on a, a summer mission trip. uh It was outside of Anchorage, so I've seen a moose. I've never yeah. seen an elk, so maybe uh maybe that'll change one of these days.
0: yeah, you got to check it out it's uh It's actually pretty doable, pretty reasonable. You can get over the counter tags in a lot of different states and have a pretty decent success. Uh, success rate especially with the rifle archery yeah and it's like three percent success rate on a bull on a bull wow. elk so yeah not great
1: yeah and i hadn't shot my bow in, in years so i wouldn't even know where to begin doing on that
0: yeah what uh you said you mainly hunt mississippi do you travel anywhere yeah. else i mean do you do you plan any yes. trips or have like a weekend trip that you do every year
1: yeah, so especially as of late, you know, getting older and having my own money to do stuff with. Um, uh, this year especially, I've got several trips planned. And this, this, I guess, we can get to more detail later when we start talking about uh, BGC. But for a personal trip this year, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to Saskatchewan. Nice. So it'll be my first time in Canada. And then we are doing a uh, like short film series this year for BGC where I know for sure I'm going to Oklahoma. And then probably Arkansas and possibly Utah. Not really sure about that one yet, but we're uh yeah, we're gonna have at least three uh little short hype type videos that we're putting out this year. Nice. Or we'll be filming them. I'm not sure of release dates, but we are film filming this year. Man, that's cool.
0: You ought to come up yeah. to uh come up to Wisconsin sometime. We we get on the birds up there uh with a couple different people but it's nice when you can get farther north because then you don't have anybody in the in the U.S. getting to the birds before you you know you get birds that work I'm sure I'm sure you see it down there like they get call shy and decoy shy after they've been shot at you know by 300 different groups but up there early season they finish like crazy I know I was talking to my cousin two days ago and I think they're their counts at like 130 something birds after the second weekend. And he's awesome. like, they just keep on coming in. He's like, we had singles doubles and like groups of five at most. And he's like all morning long. It was just like, they had never seen the
1: decoy. That's so awesome. Yeah. hunting down here. There's honestly no telling how many times they've been called at and seen the decoys. And I mean, we try to be different as far as at my lease. I mean, we've got, on average, obviously, as a public land hunter, you're not going to take dozens and dozens and dozens of decoys. Like, we have – I think last year our count was over 600 decoys at our lease like that we had out, and we always run mojos and jerk strings and stuff like that. So, we try to be as different as possible, but at the same time, you know, almost no-win days, you don't have movement 99% of your spread – Yep. So, I mean, you got the wings flashing. You got a little jerk strain going, but, you know, it's that wild duck is a lot smarter than a lot of people give them credit for. Oh, yeah. I guess if you're hunting up north, you come down and up there, and it seems easy, but they get educated. And I have a, a bad feeling this year is going to be tough just because of how dry up north was and uh, how bad the nesting habitat was. Yeah. So, from the reports, there's, the hatch was really bad. And so there's going to be a lot of uh, older birds, not many juvenile birds yeah. that are that are easy. A bunch of so,
0: experienced birds that have seen everything.
1: Yeah, so we might run into that problem this year. But you know, a, a waterfowler always has a really good excuse for something. That might be mine this year. But I don't know how it
0: goes. For real, my uh, we've got a buddy, and we call him the pessimist because that's him every time like we go out and there's a thousand excuses for why we haven't shot a bird he yeah. his famous line is guys there's no birds in missouri and he just <laughs> he says that over and over and over and we're like dude get out of here like there are we might get a shot at one today if we do we'll all be happy that's that's kind of our standard now is if we don't get skunked we're happy and even if we do get skunked, oh yes even if we do get skunked if we see more than a dozen birds we're like yeah hey we actually saw a dozen birds today you know
1: yeah me and my uh my public land group we always make the joke that uh our limit is one yeah. we, we always at least get one and so we're like well we shoot one all right y'all, y'all ready to go we're done for the day so yeah our joke between the group
0: um how so you said you're running like 600 decoys in your spread at that least
1: yeah. So, I mean, typically uh, we're, we were going to cut it down this year to way less because we were going to do corn, Milo and Millet, but with that hurricane and all the, we had like just torrential flooding, um, I think back in June. And so we'll, like the, when we were wanting to get our corn and Milo in, we were under like three foot of water back in our hole. So it's, and it, the entire Delta down there was just flooded. So there was nowhere for that water to go. Yeah. And so it just sat there and sat there, but uh, we were able to get millet out and it's, it's doing okay. It's, it's super damp down there even right now um, from that hurricane pushed a lot of water on it too. Uh, after we got the water off. So we got a work day coming up tomorrow. So I'll be down there to see for myself. Yeah. What,
0: a. Uh... So with a spread that size i've been I've been trying to yep. pick people's brain more about how okay. they set up their spread and I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of guys talk early season they'll start it start it spread out you know like family groups here and there, and then maybe later in the year when it when it gets cold out they'll bunch them all together super tight um what do you guys what do you guys do down there so no I
1: a hundred percent agree with that, but the the Past few years for us, anyways, it's been we have a ton of ducks early, and then from the rest of the year it just goes downhill. Okay. The weather is just not cooperated. And I mean, and there's a lot of different speculation as to what's holding the ducks up. But and you know, you got your heated ponds and and all this stuff, but in reality, and I'm not taking away that that could be true. I'm not from up there, I don't know, but I do know if the water is not frozen over and that food is not covered up in snow, those birds have no reason to come down that flyway and they won't. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get your migrators that are going to migrate anyways, but I mean, your big bunches that you used to see, like they're just, the weather at least the past three years has not been cold enough to push them down. I mean, it's, yeah. as far as the snow and the ice and stuff, I mean, and like I said, I'm not putting anybody down that, that uh, has opinions on the, the heated ponds and stuff like that. I honestly don't know anything about that. So I don't have an opinion on that, but I mean, the weather is the, is the huge factor that plays in there. So back to the decoy spread, we go really big early and we gradually take up decoys. Like last year at the end of the season, we took up more than half before the end of the year. So we were probably in the two hundreds. But as far as that area, most people throw out, a lot of decoys yeah. because that area is every ag field has a blind so what we
0: used to we used to go out with basically everybody would bring every decoy they had and then we were like hey we're not killing any more birds doing this and we're just breaking our backs trying to get everything in and out and it seems like every couple of years it shifts and we have to bounce back and forth like some years we'll bring out six six decoys but have six more that are motion decoys. And yeah. um, we found that to be pretty successful, and then all of a sudden, like, the motion decoys aren't working. I I uh, recently found this little boat, and it's got an alligator head on it, and it's a remote-controlled boat. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I could hollow out a, a duck decoy and slap that thing on there. And then I could actually just, like, control it and swim it around. I was like, man, I wonder if there's a way to – Hook up the receiver to multiple, and then you could just swim like six or eight ducks around. And it, I mean, it looks real. It puts up that little bit yeah. of wake behind it. I'm like, I yeah. can even just put some like little rubber orange feet underneath it. I have yet to try it, but uh, yeah. I definitely used that alligator a couple times last year, trying to just make some more movement out in the water, and it seemed to work all right. I would
1: love to see how that actually looks. It's, it's you need to post a video or something with that when you when you get the ducks carved out and
0: stuff put on them oh yeah i'll definitely do that i had to abandon that like late season last year because it was the cheapest little rc boat that i could find and uh it just didn't work by the end of the year i ended up like walking out multiple times like all the way up to the top of my waders like reaching with the stick trying to bring it back because it would just die like 10 minutes into the hunt yeah so i might invest in a nicer uh... boat this year
1: yeah. Well, um, back to like your decoy spread and the motion, stuff like that. We actually did have a, uh, we had a generator in the back of our blind that, um, charged the battery. So we would run that generator when it was slow just to charge the battery up and off that battery. We have a panel in our, uh, blind where we can, uh, we turn on our, like our agitators, like the butt up decoys. Yeah. We have a lot of those hooked up to wires, um, yeah i even think we had the mojos hooked up at one point but those were run off the modes anyways we would flip that on and we i think we had 10 agitators throughout the spread so that it was you know throwing water and you could control like which one was doing what if they are all going at the same time or Dang. you know stuff like that so we try to be as high tech as we as we can but it's it's just a bunch of redneck rigging out there
0: yeah oh i'm yep. i'm very aware we've We've talked about doing everything. We thought about running some uh, PVC under underwater, like weighing it down with cinder blocks, and then just hooking up a leaf blower inside of our blind and just like blowing bubbles through it the whole time. Um, I've seen people yeah. who put ice eaters out, and they'll put them out even when it's already uh, thawed out, but they'll put them out just yeah. to get that motion in the water because those things kick oh, yeah. up some serious serious water.
1: Yeah, they do. I've never. Heard, I've never had the need yet to use an ice here, but we do have one. You know, first comes to worst. We we usually use the uh the surface drive motor to break up the ice. Yeah. Because I mean it at least in the past few years, it hadn't been cold enough to just keep refreezing. It's usually just at night when it would freeze up.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. If you enjoy this show and you want to know how to make your own, I'm going to tell you about something called anchor. It's an app that I've been using ever since I started, and it's completely free. Like I said, I've used it from the get-go, and I haven't had to pay a single penny to distribute my podcasts through this app. They've got creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, computer, so you don't have to get a bunch of fancy equipment in order to get started. Now you can also add songs directly from Spotify into your episodes. So, I mean, you can create whatever you want, something that nobody's ever heard before, And it's so easy. Just click and drag. Anchor is also going to help you distribute your podcast. And so you don't have to upload it to all of these different platforms. Anchor can be that central hub that your podcast goes out to all of the other platforms through. And you can make money without any minimum listenership. So, I mean, you heard that right. You can actually start making money right away, no matter how many listeners you have. So what I'm getting at is it's basically everything you need. To make a podcast all in one place so go and download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started we we've busted out ice holes i don't even know how many times using the butt of the shotgun like you're trying to just walk (laughs) through it and you're just having to break in front of you as you go but i i prefer hunting the cold man i there's people who get out in this weather right now and I'm like, dude, I just can't, I hate sweating, man. I just hate it. Yes. Like being late, especially right, like right. in a layout blind. That is so uncomfortable in a layout blind is. at like 75, 80 degrees. No thanks.
1: Yeah. Early goose. That's what that is. You got spiders and mosquitoes crawling all over you and it's, you're just damp. Like there's no way yeah. to get away from it. Cause you're laying in there and you're just like just smoldering in your your sweat it's yeah but honestly if i can go out there and shoot at a goose or a teal like i'm gonna
0: i'm gonna do it but
1: yeah i'm with you no the hot weather is not my friend working working in the warehouse out here and it's doesn't have any ac we got a fan blowing but it's just blowing hot air around yeah i'm ready for uh maybe a day or two next week but the lows are in the high 50s or something so i'm just
0: Dang. For that. Oh man, yeah. that sounds like heaven. Yeah,
1: I'm so ready for it.
0: What uh what's going on at uh BGC right now? Because I know that's where that's where your work, you were telling me you wear like 12 different hats there. You basically run the whole operation, it sounds like <laughs> and uh tell me tell me what's going on. I mean, Buck Gardner's been around yeah. forever, I feel like. I mean, he's right. like one of the OG waterfowl people. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. So I guess I'll just tell everybody this. I do, like you said, I wear a lot of different hats, but, uh, shipping and receiving, uh, operations warehouse and marketing. So I kind of do all of that. Um, I do have some help. I'm not completely alone in, uh, in the operations part of things. Uh, so, I mean, that's keeping people like with components to keep, uh, packaging and assembling stuff like that. Tuning, uh, all our stuff is is done in house. There's not obviously we don't pour the uh, polycarbonate or pour the acrylic here, but we do get our poly stuff from Little Rock, Arkansas, and then our acrylic we get uh, the SparTech um, acrylic, or I think we're even ordering some Deadshot. I'm not really sure. I'm not really in charge of ordering all that, but. Yeah. Um, we, we do have – it is our 25th anniversary this year. Uh, so, we've got some – like my hat, I think, over here. It's got the 25th anniversary logo nice. on it. we've got uh, a shirt. And then just released uh, two throwback limited run 25th anniversary calls. And that was two of Buck's, like, first designs was the – I'm sure everybody's heard of the double nasty. Oh, yeah. That's – many people get for their first call. It was one of my first calls many years ago. And then, so the double nasty and the buck brush. So the double nasty is obviously a double read. And then the buck brush is a single read. And, you know, a lot of people sleep on on buck order because they think it is a beginner call. But, you know, I can assure you, obviously, I'm trying to be unbiased as I can. Like, those things are pretty nasty like that. Oh, they'll yeah. run pretty good
0: well and and they're easy um, to blow I mean a lot of the a lot of the high end calls that people are buying like you really really do have to know what you're doing in order to blow them and i've I've tried that even with goose calls right. i I can't i mean I can call pretty decent as far as my friend group goes, but if there's any like super serious waterfowl hunters around, they're probably like, dude, just just keep your calls in your bag you know um but I've always yeah. liked the calls that blow easy. I'm like, I don't want to be working harder than I have to just to make the noise that the ducks need to hear. And yeah. I've loved buck gardener calls. I mean, I've had a bunch of different ones. I've actually hardly paid for any calls. I've I've found them or been given them hand-me-downs, things like that. But, I mean, that double nasty, I think that was probably the call that I started on as a gift from yeah. my uncle. He got me into waterfowl hunting, and he's like, dude, blow this. And I just started, started wailing on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's reputation. It, it doesn't, it's not for nothing. It is, it is a legit duck call. And you know, there, today's the North American waterfowl, especially down here, I guess the more South you get, it's, it's cut downs. It's $150 duck call. And, and that's fine. And we'll kind of get into that here in a minute, if you'd like, but I mean, as far as, like for people listening, if you blow a polycarbonate double reed and you like how it sounds and you're killing ducks, don't change anything. If it's working, I mean, don't don't broke it, don't break anything. Doesn't need to be broken. You know? Yeah, it's working. Yeah. So that's what I'll say to that. And but back to the the 25th anniversary deal, we've got um, those. We actually got them in this morning. Uh, they were available for pre order, um, and we've put out the sound file for the buck brush. Y'all can check that out on our Instagram. And first thing next week, we'll have the sound file for the double nasty. And those are all American acrylic. Um, They have our 25th anniversary logo on them. Super nice. They are, you know, the higher end duck call. I mean, that's just the market that it is now is that people want to, they're willing to pay that much and i mean all the stuff that goes into it i mean that that acrylic itself is very expensive like it's not like oh we're just ramping this price up because you'll pay i mean everybody like you're getting your materials and especially now with all covid stuff pushing everybody back and pretty much up against the wall as far as like getting stuff out
0: Yep.
1: um you know it's ramped up the price on everything and so like back to our calls you know, it's, it's, it's tried, it's true. Um, it's tuned in house. Like, I mean, it's done everything engraved in here and we have the capabilities to do all that. And it's, you know, I don't, maybe there's a perception out there that we get all our stuff from China. That's not the case. I mean, there's obviously some components that we can get from over there um, that nobody here can do, or they can't do them for any reasonable price. But yeah. as far as like, the duck call that you pick up, say at Academy or Bass Pro or something like that is an American made duck call.
0: That's awesome. What a, tell me, tell me a little bit about what it's like working there. Cause I mean, in my mind, I think working at a big outdoor company like BGC, I I feel like come late October, November, December, you guys have to be everybody's probably trying to put time off in at the same time everyone's like man get me out of here or maybe you guys are smart and you hire a bunch of non-hunters just so that you have employees so that you all can go hunting
1: (laughs) well we we have a mixture of both there are um we have some incredible ladies that work here um in our packaging and assembling and reception so obviously they're not going to take off the duck hunt but they are they've been here you know, back when Buck was actually working in the shop. Um, I guess I'll, I'll bring that up here in a minute. That's probably something everybody wants to know, but we have some incredible people that work here that have been doing it for a long time and know what they're doing, but there's definitely some of us that, uh, that take off, uh, to go hunting. Um, but as far as working in this, it's, it's a lot smaller of an operation than people would probably think. We have a decent sized warehouse. Um, but I mean, it, there's no more than fifteen people working here. I'm, it's less than fifteen. Oh wow! Well. It might be around ten. Yeah, so <laughs> that's why I wear a lot of hats too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. imagine. But uh, I mean, you 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 hear a duck call or a goose call every single day, and it's just for me personally, it's like you know, I started in March after duck season, and it's just like every day, it's just like closer and closer. And I got to hear it all day. I can't stop thinking about it because <laughs> my whole job is ducks or geese. and It's like, man, this is almost torture, but it's, it's awesome. I love working here. I'm yeah. glad to be in the outdoor industry. It's what I wanted to do when I got my degree. I changed degrees because this was on my mind I was working marketing for an outdoor company. So I'm, I'm kind of here now.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I've, I, have yet to work for an outdoor company but i mean podcasting is the closest i've gotten this is my passion yeah. just sharing stories i love to hunt everything i mean if it can be hunted odds are i want to go and hunt it i want to try the meat i want to go on the adventures and so this is kind of a dream for me and hopefully at some point it fully pays the bills you know
1: oh yeah and 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 you know i've kept up with you even before i reached out to you about being on here I was, you know, working in the warehouse and packaging stuff to to ship out and stuff like that, and I was, you know, looking for podcasts, and, of course, yours popped up because it's trending as much as it is now, and I I gave you a listen. I was like, all right, this is going to be one of the ones I keep listening to. Um, Man, honestly, it's almost kind of hard to find a good podcast now like it's that, you know, that stays relevant to, to hunting and to sharing stories and stuff like that. There's, there's some good ones out there, but some of the ones that I've listened to are so monotone. It's just like, (laughs) I need something a little bit more upbeat, to keep me moving. But yeah, you know, kudos to you for such a good job that you've been doing with this and the following that you've gotten on this. it's, It's really incredible.
0: I appreciate that. I, uh, my wife's like, you've got a great voice for podcasting. And I'm like, I hate my voice. Like I can't believe anybody wants to listen to me talk. Um, But yeah, I just enjoy chatting and I've listened to podcasts for years and they've always been hunting podcasts. And there were a couple that everyone recommended. They're like, man, get into this and I won't name them. But I think the first couple episodes, they were, they were just like almost down talking a hunter's role in conservation. And they're like, you can't call yourself a conservationist just because you buy a license or whatever. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we need to back up a little bit. And that turned me off to that one immediately. I was like, listen, nobody needs to be on their high horse. Hunters are conservationists, whether or not they've got boots on the ground, like doing habitat work, just the fact that they're purchasing the equipment, the supplies, the ammo, the guns, all of that, that goes back towards conservation. And so I, I told myself from the get go that, I was going to keep it real. I was going to talk to everyday guys that are passionate about what they do um and it's working out. People enjoy it and it's fun to it's fun to just talk to everybody about everything. You know, I wish I could yeah. I wish I had the time and uh the financial freedom to just have everybody on the show that reaches out because I know everyone's got their own unique story and passion.
1: Yeah well you keep it going you might have time for all of them that might be all yet all you have time to do is podcast hopefully like you said it it turns out to be what it is maybe i'll
0: maybe i'll set it up to where i can podcast like six months and then i can take the whole hunting season off and not have to worry about it anymore that'd be the goal exactly
1: that's where your edge should be at right there
0: yeah what uh what's coming up for for you guys there at bgc what's What's new and uh is there anything big you're working on right now, I guess, that you could actually share with people?
1: Yes, I mean we don't have anything that like I would say it's just like top secret. Um, you know, I, I will go back to this. Buck Gardner himself is not in-house right now, you know, his age and stuff like that, obviously it was, you know, we we st- he he still comes in, his voice is still very much uh, heard here and um his way of going about doing things and his, um, his mission as far as stuff like that, that, that's still very much incorporated here. And everybody, if you knew Buck and heard stories of Buck, he loved introducing people to the outdoors and he loved, you know, actually being out there with the hunters and reaching out and doing community outreach and stuff like that. So none of that has changed. Um, you know, obviously with the day and age we're in, moving forward with stuff um we're never going to get rid of our you know our everyday duck call that you know that we started out with and stuff like that that's still our biggest thing um here and it will continue to be but moving on with the trend of duck hunting now we are going to be offering like buck used to do and it was kind of lost in translation there for a little bit i guess but offering the the high-end duck calls that that are like I said, everything's hand-tuned here, no matter if it's polycarbonate or if it's acrylic, but the stuff that actually, like, you sand on and you're clipping reeds and cutting cork and stuff like that. Like, we're we're about to start offering – I'm not going to tell you what we're about to offer, but we are about to come out with some new calls that, you know, not a new version of something we have, but something completely new that nobody's heard or seen before. We're actually hopefully – No promises, but hopefully going to release this, the new one, November. We're hoping. But, you know, like I said, with COVID and everything, pushing everything back and trying to get stuff from people and people trying to get stuff. I mean, it's just, man, it's it's hard. I mean, it's just been for – we're almost trying to bounce back. I would say not even – not even bounce back, but, you know, get back to – making this these higher end calls and stuff like that and dang it if we didn't try to do it when the world was almost ending it feels like but i mean that's just the nature of what it is and you know we're fighting through it just like everybody else is you know we're we're gonna be my plan you know as the marketing guys we're gonna be back on top where you know where buck had it you know 10 years ago probably um because the new duck hunter now i mean you saw a huge rise in duck hunters after the Duck Dynasty show. Yeah. And be that as it may, that's, that's it's great for the sport. And everybody has their bad experience story the of these new guys coming setting up on top of you, you know, stuff like that. But I mean, like like you said, the hunters are the biggest conservationists. Yeah. I mean, that's there's nobody else that's giving as much money to the to the sport and to conservation than than the hunter. So, like, as far as, like, the new stuff, like, man, we've got – like we talked about earlier, the videos coming out this year that we're going to be filming for, going different places and filming. Uh, Because, you know, Buff used to have his his foul play TV show or DVD. And so we're getting back into that. Um, Not trying to be a competitor. We're trying to get into the podcast world ourselves. Um, We haven't recorded an episode yet, but – getting the equipment and getting the uh, topics and people lined up. We're, we're kind of in the middle of that now. Um, let me try to think stuff I, I might get in trouble for saying. I don't, like I said, we don't have anything top secret, but we're not trying to reveal all the plans to the world. But um, new duck call, new goose call, hopefully before the end of 21. Nice. If it's not November, it will probably be 22. Just because, like, releasing one in the middle of season or late season, there's no. Good point in doing that. Yeah. But um hopefully having videos and sound files and actually seeing these calls and people's hands hunting stuff like that. I mean that just you know like we, we just put out a survey about some stuff and seeing people on in you know social media blowing duck calls and stuff like that. That's what drives a lot of people to buy. And so uh we're def- we've definitely ramped up the social media. Uh, well more so than we ever have, really, of yeah. course, posting more and engaging with people more. Um, the social media, like, y'all go check us out on that. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But, you know, we are trying to be up there where we should be because we have the capabilities to be. Yeah, Like, we, we are a small operation as far as what people might think we are. But as far as the capabilities that we have, I mean, we have more capabilities than a lot of the guys that are just starting out, obviously, that that are re- doing really well. I'm not going to say any names, but, they, I mean, these people are, you know, nobody knew who they were, and they did a good job on social media. Now they're selling the fool out of duck calls. Yep. I mean, it's crazy. but and, and a lot of people are getting their calls, you know, cut and turned and engraved you know elsewhere and just selling them when we have the capabilities here to do all of that. So everything would be in-house and a big thing for the North American hunter is American made. Yep. You know that's a, that's a big thing and a big thing for us. We take pride in what we do. And that's one of the things we pride ourselves on is making stuff in America. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's what I hope to get people to understand. It's it's almost like we're trying to rebrand the the name we already have. 'Cause it is a quality brand, but people get the notion that if it's not a hundred and fifty dollar call it ain't gonna work. And that's just not the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, a lot of a lot of today's hunting um population, I guess, they they just see a price tag and if it's mm-hmm. not a it's if it's not in the top fifty percent of the prices, they're like, Oh, it must not be good quality and it's unfortunate right. that people have have marked stuff up so much and have advertised it to make it sound that way. But I'm like, I use, I use cheap stuff all around and it's not cheap Uh as in like poorly made. It's just cheaper uh, price wise because I I don't have the money to go out and buy, you know, a $5,000 camo wardrobe. I don't have the money to go and buy a $2,500 shotgun. And this is the stuff that's been around for years And it's good quality, and there's a reason I'm still using a gun that was made back in 1970. You know what I mean? Because it works, and I I feel like it's the same with a lot of different products. Although other companies are charging more, um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're higher quality.
1: No, and kind of what I was back to what I was saying about you know still having Bucks motto and and mission here is like we're not getting rid of those you know cheaper calls. He designed calls and made his price points for the everyday hunter that was that worked five days a week and only got to hunt on the weekend or, you know, that's not just isn't going to hunt 60 days out of the year, so he's going to buy what he needs to buy to kill ducks when he does go. Yeah. And that, that was his mission, and we're still going to do that. But, you know, following the market trend and stuff like that, we are going to get back into it because our acrylic calls, like the higher end being the acrylic call, it just hasn't been really marketed or advertised and, Well, we got one of my favorite calls that we make that nobody knows about just because it was never promoted. And it's called the slim piece, and um, it is just a fantastic call. Um, And nobody knows we really have it. And, you know, hopefully a lot of people rush to our website and try to to get some of this stuff, but we are trying to build up our inventory, so I don't want to tell you that uh, we'll be able to, you know, send this stuff out or we've got all these color combinations because we're trying to, we're not trying to rush things. I mean, that's kind of where you get yourself in trouble sometimes. You see, you see that dollar sign of, Oh, well I can do this and do this and this, and and you get yourself in trouble. We're trying to, we're focusing on the quality and and the customer service. And and we want to be, when we put something out, we want it to be best all around quality, sound, you know, whole nine yards. So we're not going to go rush something. Like I said, we got new stuff coming out, so we've we got a timeline for things and goals we hope to you know achieve by a certain point. So
0: yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit, I, I ask every yeah. guest this and I just have to get your thought. If there was one animal like on your bucket list, it could be bird, it could be a certain type of waterfowl, or it could be like a big game animal there was one thing that it was like this is your only thing that you can hunt that you haven't already done what would it be man
1: i'm tempted to say a black duck but then again like you've got your harlequins and your king iders up in alaska and stuff i would have to say a king otter would be my just to be able to go in alaska and and do that whole thing i mean I could probably just go to the East coast and kill a black duck, like Maine or something like that. But I think King Eider would be my my prize right there.
0: Yeah. I think the adventure going after a King Eider would be worth it. Even if you didn't get to bring one home, you know, yeah. Hunting, hunting birds in different locations. I, I was talking with a guest not that long ago about this and I got to hunt the front range of Colorado And I have never in my life thought, like, oh, yeah, right in front of the mountains, there's going to be loads of birds. And the fact that we were shooting geese consistently with the mountains, like, 10 miles away. I mean, you could, we'd take pictures with the birds stacked up, you know, after a hunt. And you just have the front range of the Rocky Mountains in the background. I'm like, this is crazy. And so, thinking about that in Alaska, because Alaska is like the Rocky Mountains on crack, you know. Uh, I can't imagine being there, you know, shooting sea ducks and all all sorts of different species, that'd be yeah. Wild. I mean, that's that's a hunter's
1: paradise up there. I mean, yeah, bear, moose, and what uh, ducks? I mean, that's. I think they got the emperor goose up there too. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. That's a very sought after thing. That would probably be. That, that's probably in the top five. Next things I want to knock off my uh, kill sheet right there. Be an emperor. Have you Have uh, you printed off
0: that poster? that's got like every different species and have you seen that it's got all
1: the different water yeah. wild species i want to say there's one hanging up here but oh, i might be wrong sense. but no I, i've definitely seen that i don't have it in my house i don't think i have something with all the ducks on it but I, there's one hanging up somewhere i can't yeah. remember where it is just, yeah
0: i always thought and about it. printing that off and like marking it marking each yeah. species off as i take it and then i was like I'll probably be depressed 10 years from now when I've only added like one or two.
1: Yeah. I mean, you really do like to go and knock off all these, um, birds. It's you've got to travel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, being in the Mississippi flyway, we've got, we've got a lot of different you know species, you know, as far as ducks and geese, I guess I mean, we are not lacking very much like the brant and the emperor goose, like, and then, like obviously, there's a few ducks that we don't get very often, but um we're in a pretty good spot you know in the Mississippi Flyway, especially being in Tennessee where we're at right now. Like you've got Arkansas right there to the west of us, then Mississippi Delta, and then Real Foot's right north of us. So it's a little good tri-state area to shoot ducks in.
0: Yeah, for real. I uh I've got some friends that lived Trying to think where they were. They were in Tennessee. I think they were in Memphis, and they were part of yeah. the duck club there. And they were like, "Man, it's actually pretty killer over here." But the last couple of years, like you said, I think a good chunk of the country has just had a rough go um, as far as waterfowl hunting goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. You can go like a mile. If you go north and go a mile out of the city. There's ducks. Yeah. I mean, there's. They kind of just. I think they probably just get down the, on the river. And probably fly past or on the other side of you know the big city or something and go and go over but uh, there's ducks all over. Place. yeah you and you come into memphis and you go down downtown and stuff you'd be like you know i'm i'm in the city there ain't no ducks you know anywhere close to me and you can literally walk to a duck if you yep. put your mind to it walk across that bridge into arkansas and you're in duck heaven over there so.
0: i wish i wish they would just open up like urban duck hunting sometime and uh <laughs> I, I would travel the country just to hunt golf courses because it's like no matter Man, what city you're in, you go to a golf course, and there's birds everywhere, and they're so used to people. I'm like, then I'd I'd reach out to, like, Benelli or Beretta or Browning or Stoger or whoever and be like, hey, listen, I need a single-shot shotgun that looks <laughs> like a 9-iron. You know, <laughs> just walk around, yeah. pull it out of the bag.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I actually had some man. We had it was a good group of geese. Like I hadn't seen them grouped up like that in the church parking lot across from my house. There was there was at least fifty geese in front of that, and they fly over every single morning. Oh, you just man. get from water to that church parking lot. Jeez. What I wouldn't give just, just out the window, just you know. Uh huh. Um, yeah, that'd be kind it's of fun. tempting, but it's also cool to see that. Like, get yeah, you. I mean, just. I guess that's just how passionate I am about it, man. Like just to hear a resident, you know, golf course, church parking like goose just go over me. I'm like, man, I wish I could get after you, but
0: yeah, I want to, I think it would be awesome if they opened up like an air rifle season for them, you know, in the city, you could just use a pellet gun or something like that. You could get all camoed up like you're deer hunting and you could just tuck away with a real silent, air rifle and just kind of pick them off here and there and help the pest control. But it'd be, man, a... I'd go with a
1: crossbow. Oh this. yeah. <laughs> just sit there with a crossbow and shoot them out of the church parking lot. Yep. Have you seen,
0: uh, man, have you seen the heartland bow hunter guys? Um, I think they do a, they do a bow hunt, uh, from like just a makeshift blind on the edge of this field and they bow hunt geese. Uh, they wait for them to land and then they just straight I don't,
1: maybe it was that group or, or maybe it was somebody else. But yes, I've seen them bow hunting geese and like not, not even waiting until they land sometimes and shooting them at like, you know, because they're right in their face and shooting them like ten, fifteen 15 yards of the bow in the air. And I'm like, yeah, I couldn't afford that many arrows. I would no. never, I would never hit them. Well, I mean, that's... I've seen them in the woods bow hunting for ducks in the timber. I can't remember. Maybe it was Kirk McCullough. I don't know if it, that was actually his video, but he said they used to do that and as far as keeping the pressure off a duck yep. they'd go in there with bows and they would shoot them. But I'm probably not that talented. That gets uh, I, I have a hard enough time with a 12 gauge. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I've, I've watched, I've watched uh Tim Wells. He does a lot of uh, bird hunting. He's shot doves and ducks and geese all with his bow out of the air. But um yeah, that one video I saw. I think I I found it on social media last year, and they were just straight up like on the in the woods, sitting on the ground. They had their bow in. Uh, they had like the tripod that go attaches to the bottom limb. They just had it set up, and they would call the geese in inside the decoys, and they would just draw back and let them rip one after the next. And I was like, man, first first you have the awesome. skill of just getting them to come in and land, and then you are having to shoot. Mm -hmm. something smaller than a Turkey with a vital area as small as a Turkey over and over. And yeah, uh, it'd be fun, but there's nothing like calling them in and blasting them with a shotgun.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I, I got into do something a few years ago, but I'm by no means as good of a goose collar as I am a duck, a duck caller. And I'm not even, I I wouldn't even say I'm good at duck calling just because like hearing some of these other guys, I've been blowing duck call for a long time, but there's some guys that have been doing it and just have that natural talent to do it that are very, very good. That can put, you know, all the voice inflection that they do into a call. And man, it's, there's some pretty incredible duck callers out in this world today.
0: Oh yeah. I, and I can only imagine, I mean, you're probably coming across some of the best of the best being in, in the position you are. I, yeah, I, I don't know what ducks hear When I blow a call, they probably hear like, man, do not land, do not land. This is not the right spot.
1: You know, I've never uh, been on camera as far as hunting, calling ducks up until this year I will be, but I'm going to be nervous to hear what I sound like. <laughs> if we don't kill any and I hear what I sound like. like, well, I know what I'm doing at all. The best... I mean, even our tuner, our tuner, he's in our uh, buck brush sound file. It's, I mean, he's a pretty quiet guy. That man, he he was trained under Buck, and that dude can blow a duck call. Like, it ain't no morrow. He is so good at it. it. It's very cool to listen to him, and, you know, he's just been doing it for so long. He's tuned millions of calls in this place. And, I mean, that's that not an exaggeration crazy. either. Yeah. That's no exaggeration. He really has. And being tuned – I mean, trained by Buck, I mean – buck knew what he was talking about and the, oh yeah you know i'll never be anywhere close to where buck was as far as blowing a dunk call no one wants to listen for the correct stuff that dude was incredible
0: yeah do you guys do you guys have people that compete with your calls like do you have like a team or or any individuals that will go and do calling competitions
1: yeah so i know for a fact a guy that was working here not too long ago and he went back to uh he's getting his emt so uh, props to him for that like yeah that's pretty cool um but he blew competition for okay. us he was a pro staff as well um but not as much as we used to and that that's another thing that you know, kind of our marketing plan for the futures is, is that that's included in there as well i mean being young and ambitious i guess like i am i've got so many plans for <laughs> buck Gardner, it's, it's not going to happen you know in the next year just because it takes a while for some of this stuff to actually take place. But, you know, I'm, I've got very high expectations and very big goals set for Buck Gardner. And the team that we have here now, we, we've got this thing going in the direction we want it to. And I'm, I'm very excited about the future here. And I think that, you know, Buck Gardner, I would say probably five years ago at the earliest, was a household name with the young generation of hunters we have now it's not so much yeah you know they're they are going you know straight to the very expensive call and they don't think buck Gardner. And i would say in the next couple of years with the efforts that i have in place hopefully we're going to be a household name again yeah people are going to you know when they think of a, a quality high-end duck call they're going to think bgc
0: yeah Man, that's awesome. Well, we we're a little over an hour now, and I want to respect your time. But uh, before we hop off, I want to give you an opportunity to share where people can find you, where they can find the products, um, website, all that information.
1: Yeah. So, first and foremost, I started a Buck Gardener TikTok page. And I'm trying to grow that thing. Nice. As you know, being on TikTok. You know, you got to – it's like one video, you can hit it big, and then there it goes from there. I have not had that luck yet, unfortunately. Yeah. So, we're, we're, we are actively posting on there and sound files and stuff like that. But y'all go check that out. And then our Instagram, Facebook, um, Buck Gardner Calls, you know, we're going to be the first thing pops up. Um, in our bio is a link tree that's got um, our 25th anniversary merchandise. You can click on Duck calls, goose calls, duck tips, goose tips, all that is in there. So you can find all that there. Like I said, we're actively posting on this stuff, sound files and new videos. And Our 25th anniversary tribute video is up. So we've got a lot of cool content stuff coming out. You know, if you like seeing waterfowl content, hunting content, I highly encourage you to follow us because we are actively posting on there some very quality stuff. Nice and as far as buying a call, yes, our website. Um, and obviously you can find them on like Amazon, um, Walmart marketplace, stuff like that. But, um, you know, to get the personal touch, if you ever have any questions about any of our calls, like call up here, you know, email me, text me. I, I mean, day or night, I'll respond to whatever, but call up here and get in touch with me. My name's Zach. Um, if you you know if you talk to a receptionist, she can answer most of your calls because she's been here for so long she knows a lot about it but you know anything that we can try to do to help you out any questions you have anything just you know give us a shout and we'll do everything we can to help you out
0: nice um, and then let's leave the listeners with one last tidbit of information any advice any wisdom anything you want to share this this segment's called emptying the chamber and it's your chance to just get a final word in.
1: Okay, yeah. So, like I said, I'm I'm fresh out of college. And, you know, my dream was working in the outdoor industry. And, I don't know, it just came to me in my sleep one night. Like, this is what I want to do. But I encourage anybody that has that dream, pursue it. It doesn't matter what people tell you. What people, you know, if they say it's not going to work out. I mean, like I said, I started in shipping and receiving, and I'm still doing that. And I absolutely love what I do.
0: Yeah. I,
1: w- I wouldn't want to in- be anywhere else that I can think of. I mean, just if you've got a goal to work in this industry, go after it. I mean, I strongly encourage that because this industry needs new faces and, you know, good people that are in it because we do get a bad rep sometimes from some things that happen in our industry. And I just strongly encourage if, if that's your dream, pursue it.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, Zach, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show with me. And I, I looked over at the clock and I was like, I can't believe we've been talking for an hour already. Like it's, it's always good. Time flies when you're talking, hunting, fishing, any of that stuff. And so I, I do greatly appreciate you. Hopping yeah, I warned on. you
1: I could stay here all night talking about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, man, it was
1: fun. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, we're going to wrap this one up. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode of the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed that one. I had such a good time chatting with Zach and hearing about his passion for waterfowl hunting and hearing about what Buck Gardner calls is coming out with next. I'm looking forward to that. And just a heads up after our recording, we chatted for quite a while and I think we've got a hunt planned maybe in October up in Wisconsin with my cousin. So there might be talks of buck gardner himself showing up to that as well who knows stay tuned and find out i guess um if you haven't already though please hop on and leave a review and a rating that greatly helps me out and i really do appreciate it you guys are the best listeners in the game and the best followers on social media so much engagement so much encouragement and i love interacting with you guys at every chance i can so go and do that and until next time always choose adventure. And God bless.